Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. We're here to teach people how to love God, save souls, and slay error. My name is Jesse Romero, the Latin lover of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Latin lover of Our Lady. This is high-energy, blue-collar, Catholic radio, holy hour of power. Our program is not right versus left. It is right versus wrong. And I am reporting for duty. Hey, just want to remind you that we're still in December, and December is the liturgical season of Advent, and that... and, and uh, Christmas is right around the corner. Advent represents the coming of Christ, but there's there's two comings of Christ. Actually, three for Catholics. The first coming of Christ in history, that's we call that Christmas Day. We got the second coming of Christ, that's in the future. That's in uh that's an es- eschatological coming of Christ. Then Catholics also have a daily coming of Christ, the holy sacrifice of the mass, which we have Christ there in mystery. But December's been a big month for Catholics. We've celebrated the Feast of the Immaculate Conception or the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. It's the season of Advent. We've also celebrated the the, uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe feast days, the four apparitions. And uh, as Catholics, once again, Christmas Day is the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It doesn't get better than that. We've got a lot of things coming up on the show on the next segment, I have an interview with Dr. Blythe Kaufman. We're going to be talking about the children's rosary. Then we'll also be talking today about how you can protect your, your religious freedom here in the U.S. I'm going to give you five steps on how you can protect your religious freedom here in the U.S. as an American. And then finally, I'm going to talk about the Christmas gifts that will help your children get to heaven. Give your kids gifts and your grandkids Gifts that will get them to heaven. Let me mention some things that are on the news before I go to the gospel reading of the day. Have you heard of uh, the 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 measure to protect Supreme Court justices? This is very good. So this Supreme Court judge security measure, it passes Congress. Talk about a common sense bill. The measure to protect Supreme Court judges' personal information on the Internet was passed as part of the defense authorization bill the Senate voted on Thursday, which President Joe Biden is now expected to sign. The measure received widespread attention after a man was charged with attempting to assassinate Justice Brett Kavanaugh, a Catholic Supreme Court justice, at his home following the Supreme Court's decision to repeal Roe v. Wade. So uh, the, the, the Congress did something right. Also, a judge upholds remain in Mexico policy. A Texas federal judge ruled that the Biden administration cannot terminate the remain in Mexico program that former President Trump implemented during his tenure. The Supreme Court in June ruled five to four that the Biden administration could end the program, turn the case to U.S. District Judge Matthew Kazmeriak to decide if the Biden administration's actions was arbitrary and capricious and violated the Administrative Procedure Act. So uh, it looks uh, that looks good for us, for people of faith and patriots. Also, social media and FBI cooperation. I've heard about this. A new release of Twitter files on Friday revealed that the FBI officials regularly emailed the big tech company list of tweets the agency had flagged for moderation Ahead of the 2020 presidential elections. Here, here. Uh, the First Amendment prohibits, or Senator Josh Hawley, 
Republican from Missouri said, quote, the First Amendment prohibits the government from using private corporations to censor on the government's behalf. But that's exactly what the FBI, the FBI and DHS did. And more apparently and more apparently did with Twitter, close quote. So there will be more to follow on that. Also, have you heard of Twitter bans multiple journalists? Yeah. Twitter permanently banned multiple high-profile left-wing media figures Thursday evening for violating a rule about posting information that revealed the location of, uh, of Elon Musk's private jet. Among the banned users were former Vox journalist Aaron Ruper, CNN reporter Donny O'Sullivan, New York Times reporter Ryan Mack, and Washington Post reporter Drew Harvell, and leftist pundit Keith Oberman. So... Uh, it's, uh, it looks like if, uh, if both sides can play, it, it, it can, uh, can use the cancel culture against each other. I don't like it period, but that's the world that we live in. Hey, let's look at what the Holy gospel says today. Let's get some soul food into our, into our spiritual DNA here. Today's gospel, Luke chapter one, verse 46 to 56. Today's gospel, it proves to you, it shows you that the Blessed Virgin Mary knew her Old Testament. She knew her Hebrew scriptures quite well. Because today's gospel, the Blessed Virgin Mary is going to quote a psalm from King David that he wrote a thousand years before. And it's a psalm, and, and the psalm that he quotes is in, is in today's responsorial psalm. It's actually 1 Samuel chapter 2, where it says, My heart exalts in the Lord my Savior. My, my horn is exalted in my God. I have, I have swallowed up my enemies. I rejoice in my victory. The bows of the mighty are broken while the tottering gird on strength. The well-fed hire themselves out for bread while the hungry batten on spoil. The barren wife bears seven sons while the mother of many languishes. The Lord puts to death and gives life. He casts down to the netherworld. He raises up again. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He humbles. He also exalts. He raises the needy from the dust. From the dung heap, he lifts up the poor to seat them with nobles and make a glorious throne their heritage. Notice the Blessed Virgin Mary today in today's gospel at Holy Mass. She's going to quote 1 Samuel chapter 2, which goes again to show you that the Blessed Virgin Mary knew her Bible quite well. She's quoting King David here. She's paraphrasing King David in today's gospel. She says, Mary said, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. That's taken from 1 Samuel chapter 2. The Blessed Mother says today, For he has looked upon his lowly servant. That's also taken from 1 Samuel chapter 2. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. I love this verse right here. When I talk to non-Catholics and they say, Oh, yeah, yeah, that woman, that woman, Mary, Mary. I say, no, no, no. Quit saying that woman. Quit saying Mary. She's called Blessed Mary. If you're a Bible-believing Christian, open up your Bible and notice that it says all generations will call me blessed. That means Protestants, that means Jews, that means pagans, that means totem pole worshipers, that means everybody will call her blessed according to the Word of God. Today's Gospel also says, The Almighty has done great things for me and holy is His name. Very interesting. Sometimes Jehovah's Witnesses will say, Well, Jesus Christ is in God. Really? Something very interesting. Mary says today, The Almighty has done great things for me. Well, Jesus is called the Almighty God in Revelation chapter 1. So Mary's talking about God the Father in today's gospel. And in Revelation chapter 1, Jesus calls himself the Almighty. 
And so therefore, Jesus Christ and the Father are one. Also, in today's gospel, it says, and holy is his name. Uh, In other words, God the Father's name is holy. But the Bible says in the book of Acts that Jesus' name is holy, that there is no name given uh, in heaven or on earth by by which we must be saved. The name is Jesus. Holy is his name. So Jesus' name is called holy, and God the Father's name is called holy in the Bible. There are not two holies, this is, the in, this is the interior life of the Trinity, the first and second person of the Trinity. Their names are holy. And Our Lady says also, He has shown the strength of His arm. He has mercy on those who fear Him in every generation. Fear Him. How do we fear God as Christians? We don't fear God like Muslims. Muslims have a servile fear of Allah. That's a master-slave relationship. We have a servile fear of God. It's called a filial fear. The love of a son offending a father. We don't want to offend our father because we love him, not because we fear him. It's, it's different. A servile love is different from a filial love. Muslims have a servile fear of, of Allah. Catholics have a servile fear of God, uh, uh, yeah, filial fear of God. Quite a difference. The Bible says today, Mary says, he has shown the strength of his arm and has scattered the proud in their conceit. Well, I can't wait till that day to come. It's going to happen. It happened back. Uh, everybody in history, all these proud uh, uh, wicked emperors and cruel leaders, they're dead. They've been judged and they've went to their eternal reward. And I can only guess where that's at because they were jumping over the trap draw of hell most of their life. In my lifetime, I've seen a lot of wicked leaders, a lot of very prideful leaders that have a lot of hubris. Well, guess what? They're all old men and their day is coming. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ will scatter the proud in their conceit. And what else will he do? Mary told us he has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. Yeah, people today who are presidents and and speakers of the house and senators and congressmen, good luck in the next lifetime. If you're even uh, holding a, if you're even washing the streets of gold with a mop in, in heaven, if they even make it there, because again, most of these people have lived their heaven here on earth. Our lady says also in today's gospel, he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to to the help of his servant Israel, for he remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to to Abraham and his children forever. Very interesting. In today's gospel, Mary uses the word mercy twice. In today's gospel at Holy Mass, in Luke 146 to 56, Jesus uses the, I mean, Our Lady uses the word mercy twice in reference to God. What does that mean? Mary, if you notice in the New Testament, she was the first person to preach the divine mercy of God. First person. She preached mercy before Peter, Paul, or any of the other apostles. And it's right in today's gospel. Then the Bible says, Mary remained with Elizabeth about three months and then returned to her home. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the king of all nations. And Jesus is a keystone to the Catholic Church. This Advent season, we wait in joyful hope for the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we ask the Lord, save us, Lord. We are but dust of the earth. And save us, Lord, who you have, for, who have you have formed for the dust. Okay, up next, we're going to be talking with Dr. Blythe Kaufman. We're going to be looking at her, uh, her, her children's rosary prayer group, which is uh, in several countries around the world. We'll be right back. Stick around.
Happy Holy Advent season. Hey, say a prayer for Father Pavone today. Maybe you can do your 12 noon Angelus for him. And now we have Dr. Blythe Kaufman. She's on the Terry and Jesse show. Welcome to the show, Dr. Blythe. You've, you know, you've got a lot of fans out there. I've got a lot of emails. You've got to have Dr. Blythe on the show. You've got to have her on the show. You've got a serious fan base following. And I think we met, uh, we, we met probably, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, maybe a little bit less over WTN. Is that, uh, is that true? Is that correct? I'm trying to refresh my memory. Yeah, I was just talking to my son because we were in EWTN and, and we met my son, Asher, uh, met met you and he was thinking it was about uh, 2018. So I think it might be a little bit more recent than okay. than that because uh, we um, we were up there and I think you were uh, doing a show and we were also doing some things with the Children's Rosary. So we had the opportunity to meet you in person, which was a great, a great experience for both of us. So you've been at this a long time. See, you have a website, Dr. Kaufman. It's called childrenrosary.org, which states that this is a prayer group movement for children. Explain to us how this works. First of all, how do you get involved in this as a, uh, as a doctor? I mean, uh, how do you have the time to say, hey, I'm going to start this uh, international movement to get kids to pray the rosary? I mean, you probably uh, are busy enough uh, just with, with your secular job. Uh, how did you come up with this idea about the children rosary, this, this, this prayer group movement for children and explain to us how this works? Some of the mechanics. Yes. uh, Thank you so much. So this prayer group movement started about 11 years ago in Connecticut. And actually we weren't really thinking to start a prayer group movement. It really just came from a simple request from, for help from our priest. Uh, he was worried for the financial future of our church. Uh, we were doing not very well financially, and he was worried it might close or merge or something like that. And he came and made an appeal twice, and things weren't really improving. So an idea came in prayer. Maybe we should bring our children to pray for our church mm-hmm. because the prayers of children are so strong. And so mm-hmm. I wrote a letter to him. He gave us permission. And on April 10th, 2011, a small group of children, less than 10 children, gathered in our small uh chapel uh in our lower church to to lead a rosary and um it turned out that uh we had the highest collection that year second only to eastern christmas and the parishioners didn't know the children were praying for this it was just this beautiful signal grace of the power of the prayers of children and so we we thought should this just be a one-time thing or should we make this maybe a monthly prayer group and so essentially we decided amongst ourselves that we were going to continue meeting and so for about a year and a half uh, the children were just meeting as one group and then another group formed on the other side of the United States. And then in a really grassroots way, groups began forming uh, in different parts of the United States and then ultimately internationally. So that, that's when you said, OK, time to put up a website. This is getting big. This is getting uh, this is getting beyond uh, a parish, uh, a parish ministry here. You have a second website, which is called childconsecration.com. What's the focus of that website in relation to childrensrosary.org? Well, a couple of years ago, we ended up releasing this book. Uh, it's a 33-day consecration to Jesus through Mary that young people can can do as well as adults. And I, actually, we thought it would just be a resource for the groups to allow those children to just take it that much further, to entrust everything they have to Jesus through Our Lady, especially when so many of us might find out about these consecration journeys in adulthood, but imagine actually being able to entrust yourself when you're young and then your whole mm-hmm. life stands before you and your mm-hmm. Our Lady can help to protect your purity. And and so we released this book. It has an allegory in the beginning. So it's it's a little bit more uh, similar to the parables in the, in the gospels, but then it kind of unpacks 
that parable through 33 days. And since its release, uh, surprisingly to us, or actually shepherds really took it and started running with it like bishops. And so wow. the first bishop to use it was Bishop Keenan in Scotland. And so he used it for himself and his whole diocese. And uh, that was in um, February of 2021. And then my own archbishop in Connecticut used it uh, for himself and our whole archdiocese. So our schools, our faith formation programs, our parishes, and then the priests and bishops and deacons of our, our archdiocese also use it. So every day they would release a video with a different priest or deacon leading a day. Uh, and, and now we have other bishops um, and dioceses participating around the world. So, so your, your goal is obviously you want to promote these websites so people could start these uh, children's rosary groups in their parish also. And so people can also uh, have their children consecrated in this 33 day consecration to our, to our Lord, through our lady, uh, obviously you want to get this out. You want to get the word out there to all Catholic families, correct? Absolutely. So, I mean, I'm talking about di- uh, diocesan level, but really it's, it's, it's an individual level too. So, I mean, if you're a grandparent or you're a parent and you want to do something that has a lasting effect on your children, you certainly can make that consecration. And, and there, there's a really nice interplay between the consecration and the children's rosary, because often we'll have children's rosary groups and they'll want to go, like I say, further in prayer and, and to do the consecration. But we've also found families or, or parishes, schools that implement the consecration journey. And at the end, it's like, well, now what? Let's introduce the children's rosary prayer group. Ah. So it's a weekly or monthly prayer group where the children can lead the rosaries of prayer group. And those groups are, can exist in parishes, schools, and orphanages. So it's a great way to kind of keep that continuity going if you decide to do the consecration, say, first and then it helps really. So the charism of the children's rosary is to help promote holiness in children through these prayer groups where uh, they're meeting to pray. So many times these days, you're not having prayer in the home. So it creates a space and a time where families can bring their kids. And then uh, really, then there's also a lot of graces and power that comes when you bring people together to pray the rosary. Yeah. Uh that's I love it. This is uh, th- this is so timely. This is something so needed in the church. Blythe, what do you got your PhD in? I'm just assuming you're a medical doctor, or you got a PhD in something else. I don't have a PhD. I'm a dentist, so um, I ah, have a DMD, and I'm actually DMD. I went on and did some advanced training in, in endodontics. So I have um, I'm an endodontist, which is root canals and surgeries. But um, interestingly, before I started the children's rosary, I ended up getting diagnosed with a really rare genetic condition, and so I'd only been in practice for one year. And I found out that uh, I basically, my career was cut short. So I was wow. dislocating joints in my hands and um, became quite disabled as I still am. And so uh, our Lord really kind of redirected my efforts. So I still teach at part-time um, residents, but my real uh, focus is um, with the children's rosary and also uh, raising our kids. So, um, so the Lord it's did, been... The, the, the Lord did not want you looking down into teeth. He wanted you to evangelize, I guess. <laughs> So he praise God it. for what I, it was. It's actually, you know, and, and as I've come to, it took a couple of years um, when I first was really deteriorating physically, uh, where I was kind of fighting back and saying, you know, I wanted, I thought I could find a specialist. I thought I could find the answers because, of course, having all the science training, but it really came down to a surrender and um, a confession. And I had, hadn't gone to confession in a while. And I'd been a real lukewarm Catholic in my 20s. And so uh, the Lord really humbled me and, uh, I surrendered and 
then all of a sudden the Lord kind of guided me in a different direction, which was daily mass and then prayer of the rosary at home. And then, uh, so it's, it's, it's been a beautiful journey. And I know that this illness has actually been a quite a gift because it, it's, is this like armor of humility. I have to keep asking for help from my kids or my husband uh, to put on my shoes or different things that I need help with. So, um, it's, it's been, it's been good. And it's had that as my kids have been growing up, they've been part of like packing boxes of handmade rosaries and wow. all that kind of stuff that we've sent out all over the world. So, um, this, this spreading all over has really been nothing to do with my own abilities because they're quite, um, insignificant. I don't have many abilities. So it's been really the grace of God and, and so many other people helping. Wow. Praise God. That's, that's amazing. So how many countries would you say are participating in the children's rosary and the child consecration? Well, in terms of the children's rosary, we have a registration. So I was just actually going through that and it looks like we've got about 43 countries wow. um, that have uh, participated in, that are, you know, registered and, and indicated they were doing the children's rosary. Some countries really are, have a really robust uh, involvement and then others might just be a couple of groups. And so, um, and then in terms of the child consecration, um, we just released the, um, the Dutch translation and Cardinal Edgic in um, the Netherlands has been uh, really very supportive of of this effort, but it's been used um, also in many dioceses. In uh, one particular, I'm thinking in Malabalai City in Philippines, Shandam, um, Nigeria, uh, as I mentioned in uh, Scotland. Um, they're also going to be using it in Derry, Ireland, and uh, other others uh, as well. So it's it's been um, so far so good, and we're just continuing to keep our heads down, praying, and and hope that it'll continue to be used as a resource. Amen. Blythe, so how can people, how can people get involved? How can people help you? Uh, what there's people that are listening right now saying, I want to get involved in this. What can they do? So there's a couple things you can do. Um, we have a little children's rosary book that's, I call it like a seed to start a children's rosary. And so um, you can find information about ordering those, like there are little prayer books um, available through EWTN and our websites, childrensrosary.org. So, you know, grab some of those books, order them, have them in your car, your pocket or whatever. And if you meet people, think about introducing it in your parish, your school. Uh, you can also sponsor uh, barrels of rosaries that we have handmade rosaries that we send to groups in Uganda, Tanzania. Uh, and so you can certainly be part of that um, facilitating groups starting. And it's a beautiful thing to think that there's uh, these rosaries don't just get sent somewhere and, and people wear them, they're mm. using them. And that helps all of us. So, uh, so it's, it's really in terms of coming to Christmas and, um, what can we do for our Lord? Uh, this is a beautiful gift you can give to our Lord is to help bring children to, to prayer and to his mother and to pass on the faith. So of the both websites, which one should people go to first and then which one should they go to next? Uh, childrensrosary.org, uh, is probably a good starting point. And then, um, from there, you certainly can go to the childconsecration.com website in terms of more uh, resources. There's endorsements. There's all kinds of information on there. Um, you'll also see links to seeing Bishop Keenan lead to the consecration. He does a great job. Anyone with a Scottish accent, I think, can basically just read the the phone book. And so he's just uh, really <laughs> charming and great for families. He's got all these great stories he shares as he leads the consecration every day. So you can go back and listen to him lead it as well if you want to do that instead of reading it through the book yourself. So there's lots of options and resources there. Hey, we got about a minute. Tell us about your meeting with uh, Cardinal Raymond Burke at the World Meeting of Families. 
Oh, super. Yes. He's been a great supporter of the consecration and also um, the children's rosary. And it was, uh, yeah, a humbling experience to have him. He invited our family over to his residence and we were able to film a beautiful endorsement video for him. He's, he's put him, said he, he's willing to help in any way that he can. And uh, it was, it was a great joy to meet him at the, in Rome this summer. Wow. That's quite an endorsement. Well, uh, so you're, you're a, you're a, a for, uh, you're in the field of dent of dental work or dentistry. Now you're basically an evangelist and a missionary. That's what you are. You're, you're an, an evangelist and a missionary uh, to children. God bless you for what you do. Uh, and uh, tell us one more time the name of the websites that people can go to so that they can get involved in this great work, this great apostolate. Sure. Uh, childrensrosary.org and childconsecration.com. Blythe, what a joy to have you on. Uh, we'll have to do this again. I wish you, I wish you Godspeed. I, I hope this, uh, I hope your tribe increases. I hope uh, this goes from 40 some countries to the entire world. We need to get the whole world uh, under the mantle of the Blessed Virgin Mary. We need to get the whole world playing the rosary. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, we'll catch you next, next time. Uh, I'm sure we'll have you on again. God bless you and your family. Thank you. You're, you're listening to the Terry and Jesse show. On the next segment, we're going to talk about five things that you can do to protect yourself from re your religious freedom here in the U.S. Stick around. Terry and Jesse show. I'm a one-man card. Terry's out doing some apostolic work. And I want to talk now about, uh, in the United States, we are battling the issue of religious freedom. We are, because we have a, a tyrant in the White House. Let me talk about five things that you can do to protect your religious freedom. Back in 1987, Pope St. John Paul II called on world leaders to acknowledge and protect religious freedom as a fundamental human right. Here's what he said, quote, religious freedom is an irreplaceable factor in the good of individuals and of, and of the whole of society as well as of the personal fulfillment of each individual, close quote. Since then, Americans of faith have watched the gradual erosion of First Amendment rights. Today, many of the institutions that govern America are attempting to force us to deny our sincere religious beliefs or sacrifice our businesses, schools, and charitable work. This is, again, under the heavy heel of the Biden administration. So if you believe that laws and policies that dictate how we should speak or when and where we're allowed to act on our religious beliefs are morally wrong and unconstitutional. Guess what? You're not alone. Many Americans of diverse faiths are concerned about the future of religious freedom. But hey, we're not helpless, church. I'm going to give you a couple of positive steps that every American, especially every Catholic, and every person of goodwill can take to defend the First Amendment right and the right of every human person to put God first in every, in every aspect of his or her life. So here are the five steps that we can, that we can do to, to start making a difference. Number one, we got to know our rights. Every American should be able to recite the First Amendment. And if you can't, make it a goal. Okay? Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances, close quote. 
you should also be able to give a quick uh, two-minute explanation of what these words mean. In other words, it, it could go something like this. First bullet, everyone has the right to practice his or her own religion or no religion at all. Second bullet, religious freedom is based on our rights to equality, inclusion, and freedom for all to live without fear of discrimination. Third bullet, religious freedom is a strict separation of church and state. Now, obviously none of these explanations go far enough, but what does it mean to practice a religion? Are there limits on some religious practices and who decides those limits? Well, to address perhaps the most common and most mistaken notion about the First Amendment, if the Constitution really established a separation of church and state, does that mean religious elected officials can't allow their beliefs to affect how they make important policy decisions? Here are the facts. The phrase separation of church and state appears nowhere in the Constitution. Thomas Jefferson first coined that phrase in 1802 in a letter to the Danbury Baptist Association to address the group's concerns that the Virginia state constitution was light on religious freedom protections. I contemplate with solemn reverence that the act of the whole American people, which declared that their legislature should make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, thus building a wall of separation between church and state. Again, separation of church and state does not bar religious people from applying the religious truths of their faith to public life, to public discourse. On the contrary, the First Amendment bars the government from establishing a state church and forcing the faithful of other religions into the margins and dark corners of society. Another common misinterpretation of the First Amendment is that it carves out special favors for believers. In other words, the First Amendment is, is too often downgraded from a, right, from a right to free expression, including of a religious convictions, to a mere option for religious Americans to request religious exemptions for the dicta dictates of a secular state. This shows up in conscience clauses or religious freedom amendments on bills such as the 2022 Respect for Marriage Act, acknowledging that some Americans object on religious grounds to say same-sex marriage and so are given a pass because they are religious. Religious freedom is not an exemption. It's not a way to keep personal religious views out of the public square. It is an inalienable right endowed by our Creator. And the framers enshrined religious freedom in the First Amendment because they understood that religious belief is central to how citizens take part in the common life of the nation. Incidentally, this is why founding father John Adams would say, our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to govern to the, to the government of any other. Washington, our first president, said likewise, he said, reason and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in exclusion of religious principle. The second thing we have to do as Americans and as Catholics to fight against uh, this religious bigotry is we've got to stay informed. You can't be the solution if you're oblivious to the problem. Can you explain how religious freedom is under attack? Or are you aware of your town and state laws about religious freedom or parental rights and education? Or does your library 
or local school promote anti-religious ideas such as critical race theory or gender ideology? Did you know that in some states, parents can be investigated for allowing clergymen or other counselors to talk to their gender-confused children about sexuality from a traditional religious perspective? Enemies of religious freedom call that conversion therapy. Additionally, in some parts of the country, pregnancy centers are not allowed to advertise their their services openly. And nationwide, the Department of Justice has ignored 80 hate crimes against Catholic churches since May 2022. If you haven't heard about these attacks on religious freedom, you may want to seek out a new media source and dedicate time to educating yourself about religious freedom trends that affect you and your community. Here's one bullet. Attend local government meetings, including library board, school board, and zoning meetings. Many local governments make minutes available after meetings. Skim these regularly for buzzwords such as LGBT, bigotry, fringe, equity, and anti-abortion. Second bullet. Find your state's pro-freedom political organizations and subscribe to their email lists. Third bullet. Subscribe to Catholic Votes, The Loop. You're going to get news that is pertinent to you from trustworthy sources so that you don't have to sift through establishment media messaging to get at truth. Just, you know, few of us have the time in our lives to dedicate hours to this cause, but if you regularly stay informed, you'll be able to mobilize quickly when necessary and join with with other faithful citizens to repel attacks and promote efforts to safeguard our First Amendment freedoms. Also, speak up. The framers of the Constitution understood that devout men and women contribute to the flourishing of society precisely because of their beliefs. Religious freedom sustains society for everyone because citizens who publicly act according to the wisdom of the ages are better citizens. Don't kill, don't lie, don't steal, give to the poor, be faithful to your spouse. Catholics have a mission that will make America better if we are courageous enough to preach it and live it. When you hear or see others on social media, in the workplace, or at the gym, or parking, or park, trashing, trashing religious bigots, say something. Have a few facts ready and propose a different view of the faithful. You could say something like, for example, did you know the Catholic Church is, is, is the largest non-governmental provider of healthcare services in the world? In fact, 65% of its hospitals operate in developing countries. Or did you know... That uh, if you take a look at the top 100 charities in the USA, list from Forbes, the vast majority were founded by religious Americans because of their religious beliefs. Or did you know Catholic Charities in Boston, before it was forced to close its child welfare services in 2006, found homes for more children over the years than any other agency in the state. The same is true of the dozens of other faith-based agencies that prop up the failing secular foster care system. Don't be afraid to share uplifting, positive stories of devout public servants or or organizations. Send links out over social media, parish group mails, or even texts. A simple message such as, I found this compelling, along with a link, can make a big difference. Share the message that an an America infused with freely expressed and, and encouraged religious values will be a better place for everyone, including those who don't practice any faith at all. Also, get involved. Vote and run for office. God gave us this time, this political moment in which to act. And as lay Catholics, we have a duty to vote and to sanctify this great nation. 
That also means we need more well-informed, practicing Catholics in public service. Running for public office doesn't mean U.S. Senate or Congress. Local offices have even more of an impact in our daily lives than federal positions. And Catholics deserve a seat at the table. Get together with friends. Look at opportunities in your state or city to run and work together to nominate strong candidates. And finally, point number five, identify faith-based organizations. The good news is that thousands of people around the country are fighting every day for religious freedom. They desire everyone's support because without their efforts, local, state, and federal governments would quickly suffocate our rights. Many are involved directly in politics, working for just laws that respect conscience, religion, and families as the bedrock of American society. Find your state's pro-freedom policy organizations through, for example, the Family Research Council, or check out the work of national organizations such as Catholic Vote, which has local and state chapters as well. When you shop, seek out businesses run by religious Americans, especially those in the spaces that get, that, that get the most flack from the secular left, such as florists, bakers, and the hospitality industry. By giving them your business, you're also expressing your belief that they have a right to do business in this country. Remember, America will be great to the extent that her laws and people honor the full dignity of the human person. And part of that dignity is bringing our religious convictions to the public square. When we see that liberty threatened, it's up to us to resist, speak out, and refuse to be silent. Up next, what Christmas gifts you should give your children to help get them to heaven. Stick around. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. So what are some Christmas gifts that will help your children get to heaven? Well, the wait may be over for those agonizing over what to buy this Christmas for their toddlers. There's a panel of experts they've weighed in with suggestions targeting young children in this digital age. So what do the experts say? Do they recommend a family-friendly video game that might be good fun and, and improve motor skills at the same time? Do they uh, recommend a gender-neutral gender AI robot that excites the imagination and answers the endless questions of an inquisitive thought? Do they recommend any, any of a world of toys out there that feel virtual and non-virtual shelves with high-tech gadgets. Now, the American Academy of Pediatrics released a study four years ago entitled Selecting Appropriate Toys for Young Children in This Digital Era. The recommendations for the best toys are even, are even more valid now. The suggestions for those five years ago or younger may surprise new iGen parents born after 1996 who grew up with iPhones. The experts weigh in. The first shock is that researchers of the digital era study do not recommend electronic sensory stimulating noise and light toys or tablet-based toys. In fact, they claim evidence suggests that core elements of such toys, for example, lights and sounds emanating from a robot, detract from the social engagement 
that might otherwise take place through facial expressions, gestures, and vocalizations, and that may be important for social development. This is bad news for some parents. For parents feeding their toddlers a steady diet of these harmful screen, or these harmful screens. Studies reveal that more than 90% of American children have used mobile devices, many, many before age of one. And the study reports how this heavy use of electronic media negatively affects children's speech and language development, parental bonding, and even weight control. The study, good news, is that there are alternatives and they need not be expensive. Here are five toy suggestions corresponding to the basic toy types. Please keep in mind that all these choices are based on modern research results and should be given due importance. The first category of toys involves those that present a symbolic or a pretend-like situation to the child. The study suggests dolls, action figures, or cooking toys. Look for things children can learn by putting themselves in hypothetical situations. The Catholic parent might include in this category role model toys that help children imagine themselves being or representing something virtuous. Another toy category seeks to develop skills that are adaptive or manipulative. These allow children to develop fine motor skills by moving, making, creating things, solving challenging problems, or adapting to situations. The study, the study authors recommend uh, building blocks shapes or puzzles, parents might also consider a ball. Another field that helps the development of the young child is art. Parents should expose their toddlers to ways in which they might express their creative talents. This should involve efforts to make things beautiful. Suggestions include clay and coloring. Imaginative parents might invest in crayons, color pencils, or primitive musical instruments. The fourth category involves language skills and concept development. They force children to express themselves logically and correctly. The researchers recommend card games, toy letters or numbers, and board games adjusted for their age group. And the final suggestion involves those rough-and-tumble toys that require gross motor skills and physical manipulation of things. These include tricycles, toy cars, and other push-and-pull toys that challenge the child to deal with bigger problems Parents might search for a non-digital little red wagon. These suggestions should prove more than sufficient to find the perfect gift for today's cyber-tempted toddler. However, the researchers did mention another gift that, should all else fail, combines several of the toy categories. What is it? Give your child a large cardboard box. Yeah. Dr. Alan Mendelssohn, a pediatrician at NYU Langen Health in New York, he says, quote, a cardboard box can be used to draw on or made into a house, close quote. Such boxes have always sparked the imagination and creativity in children who can play with them for hours on end. The study's authors stress that toys are not replacements for relationships with parents. There needs to be parental interaction with children and their toys that blends into rich experiences. Toys are instruments that should encourage language, pretending, 
problem solving, reciprocity, cooperation, and creativity. Parents need to take them seriously. And here's a spiritual dimension, probably most important. There's also a spiritual dimension to toys. Childhood is a time of innocence when the child develops those habits and desires that should continue into later life. It's a time when the children come to know God and His creation. They come to desire heaven. Through innocence, the child is always asking questions to come to know the essence and meaning of things. Children tend to see things joyfully in their perfect and ideal state as things will be in heaven. Innocence is a desire and preparation to know God by admiring His creation. Toys should foster this innocence. They should spark the imagination to desire marvelous and wondrous things. They should foster virtue, effort, and generosity. They should ultimately lead to the love of God and a desire for heaven. However, toys should also prepare the person to deal with life's imperfections and trials. Good toys teach skills to children that allow them to adapt to an imperfect world without losing their wondrous vision of God's creation. You know, as Catholics, what a blessing this time of the year is. Even non-believers rejoice and uh, again, enjoy the Christmas season. Did you know that the word holiday comes from the word holy day? It's a Catholic term. What does holy day mean? Days that are set apart. That's what holiday and holy day mean. Days that are set apart. I love holidays because they enrich, bring life and joy to our nation. Because for a time, we're able to forget about the problems of the world, the macro problems and our micro problems. And every holiday, if you think about it, Holidays temporarily overshadow the societal ills, the problems in our society. Every holiday that makes America great comes from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Think about it. We celebrate holidays like Christmas, which is the birth of Christ. We celebrate New Year's, which January 1st, 2023 will be dated from the birth of Jesus Christ. That's how we know the, the calendar, today's calendar. We know it because it's, it's the reference point is the birth of Jesus Christ. Easter, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Valentine's Day, we celebrate a Catholic priest who was martyred for his preaching the love of Christ. St. Patrick's Day, we celebrate a, a Catholic bishop who was an exorcist who drove out the occult from Ireland. Why? For the sake of Christ. And to build up the kingdom of Christ in Ireland. Even Halloween. The day before all saints day. Who are the saints? They are those that are now with Jesus Christ. The citizens of heaven. And Halloween is two days before all souls day. Those are the souls that are in purgatory. That are being purified by the fires of God's love. And they will soon be with Jesus Christ. We celebrate veterans day. We honor our veterans. Especially those who have paid the ultimate price for our country. But even this was inspired by our Lord Jesus Christ who paid the ultimate price for the sins of the world on a cross. Have you noticed even American military cemeteries are adorned with what? Crosses on Veterans Day. 
Everything that is worth celebrating in America comes from Jesus Christ, not Buddha, Confucius, or Muhammad. They've contributed nothing to enrich America or the human race for that matter. As Catholics and as Americans, we celebrate these Christ-inspired holidays in order to renew our joy by remembering events of the past and calling them to mind and making them metaphysically present through a ritual. Yes, the Christmas season and the six other holidays that I just mentioned, it brings joy even to non-believers. Even in this secular wasteland of modern America, where the true meaning of the holiday is widely ignored, the celebration of Christmas is nevertheless widespread. The festival is kept with great fervor and gusto, even by those to whom the birth of Christ means nothing. I don't know about you, but it seems clear to me that what motivates these, these continual celebrations in Americans is the hunger for joy, for everlasting joy. The Christmas, this Christmas spirit is a thing of such grandeur that even those who are ignorant of its ultimate source, they crave for it. They're craving for Jesus and they don't even know it. Hey, faith grows when it, when it is well expressed in celebration. And we celebrate Christmas as families and as a church through ritual. Why? Because ritual has the power to recall important events. Ritual has the power to help the memory preserve what is truly important. Ritual reminds us who we are and allows us to pass, pass it on from generation to generation. If you want to keep any memory alive, it has to be attached to ritual because ritual helps us to remember and keep our Christian morals and values and it reminds us of the meaning and purpose of life. That's a wrap. You know, with each passing year, it seems I develop an even greater understanding of my own brokenness and therefore my desperate need for the Christ child. What a gift Jesus is. He's everything. My prayer is that you're overwhelmed this, to tears this season of this gift and may his life within you bring you greater healing, freedom, and holiness. Merry Christmas, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Remember, Mary gave us Christ who gave us the Mass. Merry Christ Mass. God bless you. Keep the faith.